what do you want to da da da? I don't know. What do y'all think we should da da da? Well, what did we da yesterday? Hmm, yesterday. All the dolls feel like the same doll these dolls. I know. Like, is today Monday or Tuesday? Today is Thursday. Oh no, I forgot to call my mom on her birthday. Oh no! No! These days, nothing is normal and everything is weird. But you could still save big when you switch to Progressive. That won't change. Not to da or any da. Quote to da at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula One podcast. And Kunal, you know what? I'm going to start by talking about Max Verstappen. He has been so bloody impressive this season. I think it's great to start a Formula One podcast like with Max Verstappen because he is also at a fantastic start to a Formula One season finally. And I think he's been good and impressive ever since he cleared his head, you know, sometime middle of last season. He's had some really strong finishes. In fact, he's had a streak of strong finishes. And he has taken the fight to Ferrari. So, good start, Mithila. Yeah, I'm now told that Verstappen wants to participate in Le Mans. And Kunal, he wants to do it with his dad. And I believe Kevin Magnussen has said the same thing some point last year when he was on our podcast. That he wants to go racing at Le Mans with his father, Jan. And the only difference, of course, being that Jan is already racing in Le Mans. I think this year he finished 8th or something in the GT AM category, I, I believe. Uh, and of course, if Yoss wants to participate, I just think he'll have to get in a bit of shape. Yeah. In uh, Verstappen's case, Kunal, he could actually race the Aston Martin hypercar when the new regulations come into force in 2021. Now, that's a really exciting prospect for Max. And I actually read that uh, Max Verstappen's inspiration for Lamar was Nico Hulkenberg. I mean, so much for that whole Formula 1 and Formula 1.5 divide. And it's heartening to see that somebody like Max Verstappen actually sees... Hulkenberg as an inspiration and this was in the perspective that Nico Hulkenberg actually did the Le Mans while still racing in Formula 1 and then of course we know he won on debut but I think come 2021 which is when the hypercar regulations could you know will come into effect at the WEC I would expect Max Verstappen to be challenging for championship wins with Red Bull Racing and Honda. So maybe Formula 1 might just take precedence over every other racing series. Maybe. But Kunal, Max Verstappen has a long career in the world of motorsports. So hopefully sooner than later. Yes, I hope so too. Because I really love when drivers from different series challenge themselves by participating in other series. You know, like case in point being Fernando Alonso. Great. So guys, in this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast, we have so much to talk about. We're going to talk about the leaked $175 million budget cap that could come into force from 2021. We discuss if Formula 1 should make its prize winning, uh, you know, winning prize money public. You know, we would love to know what Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton make for boring all of us to death every other fortnight. Yeah, we're going to bet on the year by which Formula 1 will go all electric. And we talk of Karun Chandok's biggest career moment in Formula 1 yet. Yes, like always, a lot of interesting and well-researched and different topics. So guys, remember to subscribe to us on iTunes, Audio Boom, Google Podcasts and every other listening uh, audio, audio streaming platform available on the internet for your weekly dose of Formula 1 humor. But Mithra, since we are on Max Verstappen, I would like to talk about Zanfurt. 
you know, there is the banked corner in Sandford that's already making news and it's probably given, uh, giving Pirelli a lot of headaches. Yeah, Kunal, I am reminded of the nightmare that was the 2005 United States Grand Prix. But you know, the irony is that the news of this banked corner and the increased tyre pressures uh, for Zanfurt, they came up on the 14th year anniversary of the USA Grand Prix, the infamous one. I really hope that is not a sign. But anyway, 2021 is back in the news. $175 million cap is expected uh, to be put into force. And uh, this will be for all the teams. And this does not include driver salaries. I'm sure you guys have read all the news everywhere. Uh, you know, but honestly, I'm glad it doesn't include driver salaries because by 2021, I expect Lewis Hamilton to be earning nearly half of a team's operating budget from his Mercedes contract. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that most midfield teams uh, operate on budgets, nearly half of that budget cap. So I guess, Kunal, for those teams, it's going to be about raising their budgets rather than cutting down. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I was at Force India and, uh, you know, I know what budgets we worked on and they were definitely uh, half or just a little more than half of the proposed budget cuts. Yeah, I mean, of course, because just because you have $175 million budget cap doesn't mean you have to spend all of it. And I'm going to, you know, make a list of all the teams that I think will anyway operate below that number. And I'm pretty sure it includes almost all the Formula 1.5 teams. Williams, Racing Point, McLaren, Renault, Haas, Toro Rosso and Sauber. And uh, for the 2021 regulations, you know, it, it looks like Formula 1 is asking all of the Formula 1.5 teams to raise their budgetary game to the teams racing in Formula 1. Yeah, that sounds quite unfair. And I'm going to quote Zach Brown here. He asked if Formula One needed to spend $175 million per team just to offer fans entertainment. And if we do basic math, something I'm, something I'm good at, basic math only, not arithmetic, but 10 Formula One teams spending nearly $2 billion a year to entertain us. You mean they're hoping to entertain <laughs> us? Yeah, yeah, exactly that. You know, they're still hoping that they will entertain us, but... The other piece of news that I'm waiting for to be leaked is that of team earnings because a $175 million budget cap will make sense or not depending on how much each team will make from its commercial uh, contracts with Formula 1. As we all know, they're up for renewals. We're talking of more equated uh, prize money distribution and all of that. So let's see where that number ends up. So that actually takes me to the moot point of our episode, guys. As part of the 2021 regulations, Formula One should reveal the actual winning prize money for teams. And the team should reveal prize monies for drivers. I mean, uh, we all know what Simon Page now made for earning his Indy 500 win. In more, fact, more than just the milk bottle. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, in fact, this is true for most sports, individual and team sports. Uh, for example, we know what Roger Federer makes when he wins a Grand Slam or what, say, uh, Real Madrid makes when they win the leagues. Or what uh, the winning team could, you know, winning team could win at the ongoing Cricket World Cup. So I think Formula One, it's time you make your prize money Winning prize money public. I don't know why I can't say winning prize money in one take. But anyway, I mean, like I said at the start of the episode, I would love to know what Lewis Hamilton makes from a series each time he wins a Grand Prix. And I would love to know if there is a special bonus if he wins a Grand Prix from a pole position and so on. And, you know, if he's going on to making more records for Mercedes and for himself. And I'm sure there are bonuses that unlock through all of this. And Basically, you want to know Lewis Hamilton's bonus structure. <laughs> 
just say it <laughs> you know we should have a bonus structure for the podcast but i can't think of one but anyway uh but i i always think you know formula 1 will benefit a lot from an outside in approach you know structure the sport the way the fans think of it the way fans consume it oh this reminds me of what helmut marko said uh, about the budget cap regulations that formula 1 could be reduced to a bookkeeping competition you know helmet marco speaks the god honest truth just probably sometimes like shocks we love but uh, i also read that the team principal of a team could face sanctions from formula 1 if his team overspent at the moment it's his team because all team principals are are male but uh, this could probably lead to a situation where teams appoint a titular head or a titular team principal just so that they can have someone who gets sanctioned while they go you know overspending in formula 1 <laughs> because that's what they do all the time kunal now i know exactly why ferrari has changed so many team <laughs> principals in the last few seasons they're already practicing <laughs> but i'm going to do my favorite thing uh kunal i have to ask so what would the headlines read in 2021 if a team is caught overspending i think the headlines could read that Renault are still trying to bridge the gap to Ferrari and Mercedes and they think that uh, you know they can't spend as much money in any way to the top teams which is typical of of Renault they always complain about being overspent and outscored seriously i think Renault has like this internal math where they just spend half of whatever the top teams are spending and then they just crib about it anyway <laughs> I think the other headline we could read is uh, Ferrari and Mercedes are so used to spending what 300 400 million dollars that they're now struggling to run their teams at you know only 175 million dollars. <laughs> you know it's like asking an obese kid to go on a no sugar or no and and no carbs diet. That's what it's going to be like. But um, the one rumor about 2021 that I'm actually disliking is that the futuristic designs of cars that you know were leaked uh, sometime last year may not actually be used you know the person who leaked this rumor said that uh, video game cars could look better than formula 1 cars in 2021 and that's really disappointing well what if this is liberty media's plan all along uh, they just reduce formula 1 to absolute shit and then they build the video game to such a strong level that their entire business just survives on getting millennials to race some really awesome looking racing cars that's a really wicked thought but yeah you, you never and, know. and when they get bored of racing they can go watch the netflix show because <laughs> it's better than the real stuff yeah. you know for 2025 i mean we are moving we are moving every four 2025, years 2025 yeah. my god yeah uh, there's talk that 50% of a formula 1's uh, cars power unit would come from electric power. Now Mithila how soon before you think Formula 1 becomes Formula E? Is this a bet? Okay, it's a bet. Okay, I'm going to say 2030. Well, I don't know the answer because nobody probably knows the answer and uh, although I just think that whatever year Formula 1 turns electric, Formula E might just be miles ahead in terms of technology, competition and even stature. Formula E actually said that they're working really hard to avoid Formula 1's problems. Uh, basically single team dominance. And Chase Carey said a few days ago that Mercedes's dominance is stunting Formula 1's growth. And in all of this, I think MotoGP is a brilliant example to follow for Formula 1. You know, the MotoGP is futuristic yet very competitive and entertaining. So they've sort of like triangulated a good mix. and uh, you know again i would like to say that it's okay if we still have one team 
winning championships, okay? Like, for example, Honda does in MotoGP. But the point is that we at least create an environment where other teams are capable of, you know, scoring wins. Like, for example, Suzuki did with Alex Rins in MotoGP. While we're talking of wins, we have to talk about Ferrari, of course. Uh, Kunal, we know that they squandered the opportunity to win two races this season. And uh, Mattia Binotto said that Ferrari is a relatively young team, given all the structural changes they've been constantly making. I mean, I would agree with Binotto because he's only just got his chance to build his Ferrari team, so to say. And uh, But I must say that, you know, Ferrari has given Karun Chandok his best career moment in Formula 1 in France. Because when Ferrari appeals to the FIA against, you know, Vettel's penalty from Canada, they submitted Karun Chandok's television analysis as new evidence. I know, I couldn't believe it. Like, I was just like, what? Is this a joke? Because I really thought that Ferrari had much more evidence than television analysis. Kunal, what's next? Maybe they'll use our podcast as evidence. <laughs> <laughs> our very expert uh, analysis at some point. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, closing notes. Sergei Sirotkin is now a shared resource between McLaren and Renault. Basically, Sergei Sirotkin has replaced Fernando Alonso as McLaren's reserve driver for 2019. But that's the news story that Fernando Alonso would have never allowed as headline. So, you know, there we go. <laughs> no points uh, for guessing which company car Sirotkin would choose, if he has the choice, that is. But, Kunal, Fernando Alonso is already making noises of coming back to Formula 1 again. Again. Yeah. And uh, Zach Brown has said that McLaren would need a three-car team if they wanted to bring Alonso back. Basically, Zach Brown has just politely said no to Fernando Alonso. Oops. And we all missed that. Or maybe Fernando did not. Let's see. That's probably why Fernando Alonso's, you know, gone back to talking about his return with a winning team. And he, in fact, uh, you know, a couple of months ago spoke about how he spoke to Red Bull. And we know how that saga ended. And now, a couple of days ago, he spoke about how he spoke to Mercedes after Nico Rosberg retired at the end of 2016. I think every driver on the grid would have spoken to Mercedes at that point, honestly. <laughs> Fernando Alonso included. Yes, finally on the topic of points and, uh, you know, we all know about super license points and how they are being scored. Uh, and this is before we give it off to Lucien for his moments in time section. Formula One has agreed that they will award super license points for Friday free practice drivers. Basically, Formula One is of the opinion that if a driver is paying to participate in free practice, the least they can do is offer some super license points. Now that is a fantastic perspective. And ladies and gentlemen, this is exactly why we have Mithila Mehta co-hosting <laughs> the Inside Line F1 podcast. It's my pleasure, guys. Yes, but now it's over to Lucien for his Moments in Time section. Bonjour and welcome to Moments in Time. Je m'appelle Lucien Byfield. This time, we discuss the history of the French Grand Prix. The French have hosted a Grand Prix at no less than 16 venues. Recently, the race has returned to a modified Paul Ricard after a break from many years at Magnicourt. The new version of Paul Ricard is a favourite test track for many categories. It is like looking at a migraine with all those lines painted in blue, white and red. So, to some of the classic French Grand Prix of the past, 88 and 89, more for qualifying than the race, although the 88 race was to show a side of Prost rarely seen when he dummied Senna and used another car to make a double pass for the lead. But it was the fact that as teammates to Senna, Prost rarely outqualified him. Of his four poles when with Senna at McLaren, two of them came at Paul Ricard. 
Speaking of 89, how was that start line crash where Big Mo Mauricio Gujilmin forgot he had brakes and careered into everybody in his way? Somehow there were no injuries, but this crash gave us a demonstration of the total incompetence of the marshals by flipping it back on its wheels without checking if the driver was injured. 1999 was a classic, wet weather affected and giving a surprising result for the Jordan Grand Prix team with only their second career win. Damon Hill was all depressed, threatening to quit after Heinz Howard Franson, also getting his second career win, stepped up and won a crazy race where even Rubens Barrichello and Stewart was in with a chance, having started from pole. Last year saw Lewis Hamilton win the newly reinstated French race at Paul Ricard, after Vettel did one of his crazy moves on Bottas, giving an unchallenged win to Lewis. Michael Schumacher was to win in France eight times, but a couple of those wins really stand out. 2004, the Ferrari team and Shuey executed a four-stop strategy to outfox the pumped-up Fernando Alonso. The other notable is 2002. Kimi Raikkonen, then with McLaren in only his second year in Formula One, was headed for his first career win. He had a half-spin on oil at the Adelaide Hairpin, and Michael, who for once was being beaten in another dominant season for Ferrari, was to snap up not only the win, but he also took his fifth world title at the time. A few quick random moments. Michael Schumacher was to collide with Senna not once, but twice in 92. In 96, Chewie was to break down on the warm-up lap, handing Damon Hill an easy win. Nigel Mansell was to have two dominant double-year stints, with wins in 86 and 87 at Paul Ricard, and then in 91 and 92 at Magny Cool. David Coulthard was to give Chewie the finger in 2000, then pass him for the win, but stupidly apologised after the race. Nelson Piquet was to win in 85, and he showed off his scorched feet on the podium after roasting them in a car that was not kind to him on a very hot day. In 1979, a turbo car won for the first time when Jean-Pierre Gibli won for the usually unreliable Renault of the time. Ferrari have won in France 17 times, and of the current drivers, only Hamilton and Raikkonen have won in France. I will leave you with a fun fact from the 82 race, where Prost and Arnoux, both Frenchmen at Renault on home soil in Paul Ricard, were to ignite one of the many team order controversies in Formula 1 history. Prost, assured of team play due to reliability concerns and championship status, was biding his time in second place, and Arnoux was given the order to slow, one in which he did not obey. What was hilarious was what happened to Prost on the way home when stopping off for petrol in a road car. The assistant was an Arnoux fan. He mistook Prost for Arnoux, and promptly started trash-talking Prost to Prost, <laughs> assuming he was Arnoux. See if you can follow that one. That's it for this time. Thanks for checking in to Moments in Time. Au revoir. Right. Thank you so much, Lucien. It's always lovely to hear the Moments in Time section. And, you know, especially the history that comes with pretty much every Grand Prix on the circuit. Yeah, it's always fascinating because the word Grand Prix that we use so commonly is actually from the French language. My best memory of the French Grand Prix has to be of Michael Schumacher winning his fifth world title at Magny Course. This was in 2002 and I remember that he won his title with nearly half a season to spare. Great. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for your time on the Inside Line Formula One podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and you know what? We'll be back very, very soon. Bye-bye. Adios. Look in your home. Look in your office. Look in your home office. Everywhere you turn, there's so much smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. 
Our game-changing FlexPath format puts you in control of your master's degree, so you can learn how, when, and where you want. Smart, huh? Yeah, we think so, too. So if you want to take the next step in your career, make Capella your first step. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter.